Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Calgary desperately needs a new arena. Whenever we've talked about it, I've made it pretty clear. If it takes some taxpayers' dollars to get this done, I think it's worth it. Personally, I do. I know a lot of people disagree, and that's fine. That's what this conversation is about. But in my way of thinking, um, for the Flames primarily, of course, they're the major user. But it goes beyond that to me. You take a look at any number of other events that the Saddle Dome can no longer host and doesn't get chosen for. I mean, you just... Go a couple of hundred kilometers down the, or up the road to Edmonton and take a look at, since the new arena was built in Edmonton, all the things that have happened in Edmonton because of that arena. Um, some of the major concerts that have come through have had to skip Calgary because the building can't accommodate some of these acts anymore. Um, you got the World Junior Hockey Championships in Edmonton. Uh, you've got when the, the NHL playoffs went into a bubble, Edmonton was chosen because of the new arena. Um, and then you take a look at what's happened in the downtown area around the arena. Edmonton's downtown has some major, major problems, massive issues, uh, but not in that ice district area. It's, it's, it's a going concern, especially on game night. So it's done a lot of good things. Now I understand the other argument, right? We don't want to be building a playground for millionaires and billionaires. They can fund it themselves. Okay. But it's not just about them anyway. There's people who have done a lot of work around this, and there's a lot of debate about it. Our next guest recently wrote a piece on this very debate for the Financial Post, and I'm interested in his take on it, is Glenn Hodgson, a senior fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute and co-author of the 2014 book, Power Play, The Business Economics of Pro Sport. Glenn, thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time. Shay, it's great to be with you. So the focus of this debate, the question is, always has been, right, is should taxpayer dollars be spent on, are- on arenas? And we see what's happening in Calgary, in Ottawa too, but, you know, of course here in Calgary we're, we're more tuned into. Uh, and the argument is raging once again. No surprise, right? No surprise. It goes around and around. And th- that debate has happened in every city that's faced a new sports facility probably for the last 50 years. Now, when we talk about it, I mean, does public funding have to be involved in the construction of new sports facilities? It always seems to default to that, at least in Canada. But is it is it that, that is it that way everywhere else, or is this just a uniquely Canadian situation where we ask governments to help us build these? It, it happens everywhere around the world that uh, rich team owners can approach local governments and try to convince them to provide some funding. But the short answer is no. You don't ne- necessarily need taxpayer money in a large centre, in a centre where the building is going to be occupied, let's say, 100 nights a year. So the NHL arenas in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver were all financed largely with private money. There was a bit of public money in the civil works around the building. But for the most part, all three were constructed with private money, and they're run as commercial entities. They're there for the NHL team. The Raptors, of course, also in Toronto. But then having lots of other events, as you spoke about, having concerts and commercial events, as a way to pay the bills. So there is a way that a commercial model can be made to work for arenas that would be the home to an NHL team. When you take a look at those examples you just mentioned, Vancouver, Edmonton, you know, some of the newer facilities built in Canada with a large chunk of um, private and public funding. Is there is there a formula? Is there a way? I mean, can you take a look at those examples and say, boy, you really missed the mark here. This is what you did wrong? 
I, I think the key is the frankly the size of the market, the popular population base. And you probably need a market. I mean, I'm well aware that the Alberta cities have populations between one and a quarter and one and a half million people. But you probably need more than two million, maybe even two and a half million people to be able to have the ongoing demand for, for events at the building. To be able to, as you said, to be able to attract in the big rock concerts uh, and traveling shows. So the building is really occupied many nights of the year. Mm-hmm. The smaller the center, the more you're getting into a challenge whether you can make, a, make the case for a commercially viable building. Or do you need some public money to kind of push it across the goal line? Yeah, that's an important consideration. I mean, the more nights that that building is hosting an event, the need for, I guess, subsidization goes down because, I mean, that's how they make their money. And you're right. I mean, Edmonton and Calgary, uh, I'm sure if you take a look at how many nights uh, Toronto's arena is occupied, it, it pales in comparison, right? I mean, they're probably at least double what we do. It'll be at least double. And, and of course, in Toronto, they have the Raptors. Sure, two, yeah. Two. Two top-level sports teams with 41 games plus perhaps exhibition playoff games in their schedule. And then you add on all the other events. You're probably looking at, let's say, 150 nights at least in Toronto. And that'll be more than enough to have a really strong commercial model. Recent example, there was a new building built for the New York Islanders kind of at the the west end of, of Long Island. They were planning on having 100 concert nights plus the hockey team in the building and wow. built entirely with private money. So in a big market like New York, which which has, what, 15 million people, mm-hmm. it is possible to have, frankly, more than one building. You know, Madison Square Garden's there in Manhattan. There's a building over in, in New on Jersey. the Jersey side. Yeah. So if the market's big enough, you can actually probably construct a building purely on a commercial basis. But, of course, uh, Calgary's not quite that size. No, exactly. So uh, the argument, you know, uh, and I'm just wondering what your take is on the, the two classic arguments. And one is, hey, listen, this is these the people who own these teams are billionaires. The people who play for these teams are millionaires. Let them build their own building to continue to make their millions and billions of dollars. Is that a fair argument? It's a fair argument. It's a first point of principle, but it may not work in reality because they simply may not have the the scale required to, to make a business case for a, so a, a, an owner-built building. Um, and, and therefore, more and more, we're looking at kind of blended models where there's risk sharing between yeah. governments and the private sector. They share in the risks. They also share in the benefits. And the key for me is to predetermine where the revenue is going to come from to repay the, the city government or the, or the local government, rather than just writing a check and hoping you get rent payment down the line. That's the kind of model that's working now for smaller centers, where it's really a partnership between the team owners or some commercial developer and then the the uh, lo- local jurisdiction. How does that work? I mean, ter- is that a revenue sharing formula that gets set up then? I know there was certain talk about a, a ticket tax in Edmonton to help pay back some of the public dollars. I mean, how does that revenue sharing formula work? It's sharing both risks and revenues. So at, absolutely. And I'll give you the examples. I, I live in Ottawa. Yeah. Ottawa is now renewing its football stadium, its junior hockey rink at what's called Lansdowne Park. In that sort of partnership model between the city and a local developer, they're doing property development rather than having parking on the site. So you're getting an expanded tax base, so uh, property tax base. You're getting commercial businesses being built. Plus, you add in charges on tickets, any other sources of revenue. Pre-identify all of that over a, say, a 20-year period. And that's how you end up repaying the, the money borrowed by government. It's, it's actually worked so well that they're doing a second cycle. They redid the mm-hmm. north side stands. 10 years ago, and now, or, pardon me, the south side stands. And now they're going to redo the north side stands. 
and build a, a new separate uh, junior hockey rink seating about 6,000 people. So the model worked in Ottawa. It's the same model that was used in Edmonton, where you have a combination of sharing risk and sharing benefits, but identifying how the government's going to get repaid, I think, is the real key issue. Yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be an argument of us versus them, and it, 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 taking a partnership approach to it, which, like you say, has there's proven track records for, um, but it seems to default into that, that argument, right? All or nothing, but, you know, a partnership can benefit both sides here. Absolutely. And and I think the more you can have other commercial development around the site, whether it's linked to the project itself yes. or whether you're going to attract private capital, as you said, downtown Edmonton is slowly transforming around the arena. And that's really kind of the kicker that that provides another source of revenue flowing from the property tax base, yes. which helps to ensure that the whole thing becomes commercially viable. It actually makes commercial sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Glenn, and, uh, you know, great analysis of it, and thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. It was a great pleasure. That is uh, Glenn Hodgson, a senior fellow at the C.D. Howe Institute and co-author of the 2014 book Power Play, The Business Economics of Pro Sports, and saying, you know what, these new arenas need to happen, but there's got to be a way of doing it that, um, you know, like he said, you, you share the risk and you share the reward. It can be a partnership approach to it. And I mean, listen, I know that there's people out there that think I'm, I'm a fool for saying, get it done. Calgary needs the arena. It's an important thing to happen. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.